3: tell you, I'm feeling good as hell because it's another day, another slay, and we are back with Let's Go There. Shir Lazar is still out with COVID, and we are wishing her a speedy, speedy recovery. But guess what? Char Jassel is filling in, so get ready. Hi, Char.
4: Hi, Ryan. Oh, my God. You know, it's gonna be a wild one. It's gonna be a good show today, huh? You know what? I'm actually a little stressed about today's show, and I say that in the best way. Okay. It's just I've been up since 6.30 and the headlines (laughs) have just been... Yeah. The headlines have just been sucker-punching me all morning. There's a lot lot to cover. There's a
3: lot of news, but we are going to walk you through it. But here's the thing. Can you believe it's already the first day of December? Are you getting the the end-of-the-year
4: anxiety as I am? Ryan, I got end-of-year anxiety around September 19th. (laughs)
5: So,
4: the fact that we're here is one of those things that's just like, I can't believe that we're actually here. It is the first of December. Like, Christmas is next week. If time is any indicator. I mean, I I just don't know what to do anymore. Halloween was last week. Thanksgiving was yesterday yesterday, and Christmas is next week.
3: I have yet to buy any Christmas gifts. I know they've been telling you you should have probably done your holiday shopping back in summer, you know, in July or June. And so
4: I'm just like, I don't know what it looks like. I don't know. Why didn't you get, uh, I know you did some Black Friday and Cyber Monday shopping. You didn't do any holiday shopping for anyone else during that time? Well, you see what happened was... <laughs> no,
3: but you know, we are actually gonna be talking about all of the holiday shopping you need to know so you do not get scammed online because the scams are happening for sure. But also, today is World AIDS Day. Um, and so we're most definitely going to be discussing that. So much on the show today. I'm very, very excited. Let's get into top of the hour headlines. Like I said, today is World AIDS Day, a day devoted to raising global awareness of the ongoing epidemic that has has taken over 36 million lives since it began. Now, while the HIV infection rate has drastically reduced overall, A new report from the CDC has found that rates remain disproportionately high for gay and bisexual men and especially men of color right here in the United States. Uh, The CDC said that 66 percent of new HIV infections in 2019 occurred in gay and bisexual men. The director of the CDC's uh, Division of HIV uh, Prevention called this Quote, one of the largest disparities in existent public health. Um, The disparities were also exuberated between white, gay and bisexual men and gay and bisexual men of color.
4: I should also note, I'm not sure of the statistics, but I know that it's not... The numbers aren't looking too good for black women either across oh, the board, whether they be so cis right. or trans. Yeah. And so, yeah, on this World AIDS Day, I just encourage everyone to do your research because even as we transition into the next year, there's still a yeah. lot of ignorance and stigma around HIV and the conversations yeah. around it. So, And
3: um, that's actually something we're going to be talking about a little bit later on in the show because we really want to look at World AIDS Day um, kind of in this ongoing pandemic world. There's an article that talks about it in a post-pandemic world, but as you know, There's a new variant, and we are still in the pandemic. So we are going to be looking at that and seeing really how things have evolved. Have things gotten better? Should we find a cure? All these wonderful things. Um, So, yeah, (laughs) we got more coming up in uh, in our headlines. Real quick, I want to talk about Roe versus Wade, because we are talking about the big debate around abortion today as well with The Washington Post. Um, uh, Justice Sotomayor responded to Justice Kavanaugh noting that previous decisions overruling precedent involving expanding rights and not limiting them. There's a lot of conversation with the Supreme Court. And and, it's getting
4: scary. And abortion. It's getting scary. Here's the clip, y'all. Decisions
6: that Justice Kavanaugh listed, virtually except for maybe one, involved us recognizing and overturning state control over issues that we said belong to individuals. The right in Miranda to be warned was an individual right, correct?
7: That's right, Justice Sotomayor, and I think that that is a key distinction with the list of precedents that Justice Kavanaugh was relying on. I think that there are really two key distinctions. And the first is that in the vast majority of those cases, the court was actually taking the issue away from the people and saying that it had been wrong before not to recognize a right. And I think that matters because it goes straight to reliance interests. Here, the court would be doing the opposite. It would be telling the woman of America that it was wrong, that actually the ability to control their bodies and perhaps the most important decision that can make about whether to bring a child into this world is not part of their protected liberty.
3: And this was after Justin, Ca- uh, Justice, Cavanaugh actually asked why overturning Roe versus Wade would not be in keeping with quote the most consequential cases in the country's history including those establishing racial equality, uh, Miranda rights, marriage equality that's all overruled president. I don't know. We're going to be breaking I, down yeah, everything
4: you need to know about this. I cannot wait to have this interview and talk about this obsession over people with uteruses in their bodies.
3: Oh, yeah, for sure. But right now, let's talk about something entertainment-based. The oh, T-Report. What's going on? The T-Report
4: already? Mm-hmm. Well, Sandra Bullock just recently appeared on today's episode, on the latest episode of Red Table Talk. And in it, she spoke to the host. We know Jada. We know Willow. We know Gammy. Yeah. Gammy's my favorite. Which one's your favorite?
3: Oh, most definitely Gammy. Gammy's my wait, favorite. The white game. Uh, Gammy. Uh, Olivia Jade? Yes! Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah.
4: <laughs> so... Uh, <laughs> Bullock goes on to to detail her journey with adoption and motherhood, and this is what she had to say
8: and to say that I wish our skin's matched, sometimes I do, yeah, yeah. Of course. because then it would be easier it on how people easier. approach us, yeah, mm-hmm. it's our anxiety, yes. it's our fear, it's our cross to bear the minute you become a mom, yeah, and I have the same feelings as a woman with brown skin, yeah. being her babies or a white woman with you know white babies white, yes. i
4: now, I should mention that the Oscar-winning actress is the mother to 11-year-old Louis Bardo and her 9-year-old black—both of these kids are black—Layla. Yeah. So we heard just a blip of that clip. I feel like I saw whispers about this le- yesterday when the teaser dropped, and yes. a lot of people ran with the headline. Yeah. Like, I think we saw one that said, Sandra Bullock wishes she was black, and that is not what she said. Oh, I
3: didn't even see that either. Oh, oh, but yeah. But the, the first clip that I saw was by a black publication called The Griot, and they actually asked her during um, one of those, like, meetings Media press things for the Uh movie Um, they asked her about this and she gave a really thoughtful answer I had no clue that she was on red table talk talking about this similar thing which I'm happy
4: about she's known to be private and didn't Charlize Theron kind of just say this I feel like all of like the white Hollywood moms with black kids are now like talking about like I'm happy I call my black friends and they taught me about edge control. Please, thank
3: you. I need. I need. I want people to ask questions, especially if you have people around. And these conversations
4: are necessary. We saw this, like with people like Colin Kaepernick, how kind of you know he was raised by white people Mm -hmm. and how they kind of like ignored some of the racism that he dealt with. And so Mm -hmm. it's like nowadays you don't have a choice but to confront it. And I'm glad that they're having these conversations about how mommy and yes. your child are
3: different. Sandra Bullock remains on my list of favorite white women.
4: And she still looks so good. Did you yes. see the, the clip?
3: She does. She looks so good. She looks delicious.
4: Yeah. She, okay, okay.
3: That is a word I'm using. Alright. <laughs> Queering it up. <laughs> that is your T-Report. We have it coming up every hour on the hour, so stick around for that. But up next, the debate on de- abortion continues and conservatives may be closer than we think to winning the argument. The Washington Post joins is up next, so don't go anywhere.
7: Let's go there with Shira and Ryan, Channel Q.
3: Now, the, the the debate on abortion has really been a long-standing conversation, and a recent Mississippi case may have conservatives believing that they have a chance at winning this debate. Joining us to talk about the big takeaways is Amber Phillips, politics reporter at the Washington Post. Amber, it has been a little bit of a minute since you've been back. Welcome.
6: Yeah, thank you. I had a I had a baby earlier this year, I so I'm back know.
3: now. Oh how's the little one Congratulations. doing? Congratulations. That was like the first thing I wanted to ask you.
6: Yeah, thank you. He's great. I my whole family's brunette and he popped out y'all with red hair.
3: <gasps> you have a ginger?
4: I have a ginger. Maybe it was the milkman. I don't know. But. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Listen, my You gosh. know it happens. When those dominant and recessive genes get to playing, it happens.
3: Wow. Okay. Well, we can talk so much about this after this segment because we'll speaking keep going. Speaking of on. babies. Right. But speaking of everything going on, I think before we get into the major takeaways from the hearing today, can you kind of break down why it seems abortion feels like it's at the center of a lot of the political conversation right now? It it kind of almost feels like it's, it's not out of nowhere. But if you aren't someone who's constantly paying attention to the news cycle, it may feel that way.
6: That is such a good question. I'm happy to answer that. I think a lot of it has to do with President Donald Trump. When he ran, he tried to court these evangelical Christians that are the the base of the Republican Party. And he's not the typical buttoned up kind of guy that they tend to elect. But he said, listen, I will be the most pro-life, anti-abortion president you'll ever have. And he was. He took advantage of three Supreme Court openings to put three justices who are generally hostile to abortion rights on it. And so that has driven the conversation because it's led a lot of Republican states to ban abortions with these really provocative laws in hopes of getting before the Supreme Court, this newly conservative court, to get them to rule against abortion. And that's where we're at. Wow.
4: You know, it's so confusing to me and what's really frustrating to me about this entire conversation is this all seems like some sort of smokescreen because we're not addressing the quote unquote real issues like policing a woman or a person with a uterus's body is just so left field to me when someone just shot up a school, for example, (laughs) yesterday. So uh, we know that Roe versus Wade was a landmark Supreme Court decision back in 1973. If it is overturned, uh, what does that mean for people moving forward?
6: Yeah, it means it depends on what state you live, because right now there is no federal law protecting abortion rights or restricting abortion rights. The only thing we have is that Supreme Court precedent from the 1970s you just mentioned, and that says a woman um, or any individual who's pregnant excuse me, should have a right to abortion until about halfway through their pregnancy. That's when the fetus is generally deemed to be viable weeks. outside the womb. Mm-hmm.
4: Yeah. I'm sorry? I said 24 weeks, sorry.
6: Exactly, yeah, 24 weeks. And so... Um, The Supreme Court, if they knock that down, and a lot of justices sounded like they're very open to that, even some on the fence, Uh, that's why everyone's talking about, whoa, abortion rights might be gone. If they knock that down, it's up to the states to decide what to do. Mm -hmm. And there's about a dozen states that have trigger laws on the books, and these would make abortion basically illegal almost immediately. And then another dozen more so would restrict it. Meanwhile, there's about a dozen liberal states that would protect abortion. They have laws on the books that would protect it if Roe v. Wade was ever uh, ever knocked down. And so it really is going to be patchwork. It just depends where you live, if it's a liberal or a conservative state, a coast or in the South or Midwest.
3: Okay, so let's talk about this Mississippi abortion ban, because it, it seems like there's a lot you know, there's a big part about this that really plays into the bigger conversation around abortion that we're seeing in this country. Can you talk about the takeaways that we should know about?
6: Mm -hmm. Yeah, Mississippi was one of those states that passed a provocative abortion ban at 15 weeks rather than 24, knowing it would probably be unconstitutional, hoping for this exact scenario we had today, which is a really conservative court takes up the case. And the fact they took up the case alone suggests these justices are ready, uh, a number of them, to eliminate or at least trim abortion rights in America. So the takeaways are that there's four justices, it seems, who are willing to do just that, Um, perhaps get rid of Roe v. Wade entirely. The magic number here is five. The fifth justice could be, yeah, it's really, really close. And the fifth justice could be John Roberts. He's one of the more moderate conservatives. He's the chief justice in all this. And what he talked about today was like some kind of compromise. Can, can he make it so that abortion is still a constitutionally protected right, but states can limit it earlier and earlier and earlier? And he literally said, why is 15 weeks such a big deal? Why?" I'm, oh my I'm my paraphrasing gosh. there, but yeah, he said, like, <laughs> like what is it about 15 weeks? Like, why can't it be sooner?
4: Um, I, it's, it seems like so, it's a science it looks thing. They don't even understand science, or, <laughs> it's frustrating <laughs> me. Like I'm listening to you because I didn't know some of this stuff. It is frustrating me that these people refuse to pick up a book. Like why would you even pose that question? Pick up a book. So you kind of touched on uh what would happen if it was overturned, if Roe v. Wade was overturned, but what is the likelihood of it actually happening? I know you said it's really close and we only need like five or whatever for to be in this, you know, dictatorship, I guess, but What's the likelihood of this actually happening, in your opinion?
6: Likelier than not.
4: Oh, my oh gosh. gosh.
6: Yeah. Uh, the Supreme Court will ruled this summer. And like I said, it's all these four conservative justices need. Yeah. And we're only reading the leaves based on their arguments. Right. But legal analysts I talk to think it's pretty clear that there's four justices ready to overturn it. All they need to do is win over one or two more conservative justices. Um, or they have some kind of compromise that lets states ban abortion earlier and earlier and earlier. And then it's like a slow erosion of Roe v. Wade protection.
4: That's perhaps one of the most detrimental things Donald Trump did during his preg- president I almost said pregnancy, but presidency <laughs> is mess with the Supreme Court.
3: Well, Amber Phillips, thank you so much for joining us uh, and letting us know all the things that we need to know. And of course, as this stuff continues to develop, we would love to have you back on to break everything down further.
6: Oh, thank y'all for having me. You guys ask such smart questions. I'm happy to be on.
3: Oh, thank you. All right, that's Amber Phillips, my favorite political reporter at The Washington Post. Now, we are going to take a quick little pivot because coming up, what does World AIDS Day mean in an ongoing pandemic world? That's up next. Don't go anywhere.
1: Call from mom. Answer it. Call
3: silenced.
2: Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy.
7: Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q
3: to look at what does a day like this mean in this article said that it was a post pandemic world but I can't even say that it's like ongoing pandemic
4: world right like we're literally dealing with Omicron
3: like (laughs) and so I I, we couldn't have anyone else on the show that would is a better fit in all honesty Dr. Michael Sag um, Associate Dean for Global Health in the School of Medicine and the Director of the UAB Center for AIDS Research and the the credits go on and on y'all have heard on the show. Hi, Dr. Mike. How you Hi,
9: right. Good to be back with you And on today. World AIDS Day. It's good to be with you.
3: Yeah, I mean, of all days, we were we immediately thought about you. And I think with all the incredible work that you've done and, and your experience, how are you reflecting on a day like this?
9: You're right. We're still in the COVID epidemic. And that's kind of where my thoughts are. Uh, I think back 40 years ago, when uh, HIV um, exploded on the scene and we didn't have much to offer anybody and if we compare and contrast it took us uh two years from 81 to 83 before we even knew what caused aids and then it took another two years in 1985 before a test was readily available and another two years after that in 1987 when we had the first drug it was azt not great but at least something that's that's six years six years wow. compare that to COVID, right The disease was first described in roughly December of 2019. By January 2020, we knew the virus. We had it sequenced. Two days after that, candidate vaccines were created, one of which became the Moderna vaccine. Then we have tests. We have a treatment, remdesivir, that was approved by May of 2020. That's four or five months. So things that took us years to develop in HIV took us only months to develop. With COVID, and I think the reason for that is because of all the hard work that was done on HIV science, HIV drug development, HIV vaccine development, even though we don't have a vaccine, that work, that was the shoulders upon which all the Mm. COVID response was based. So that's what I'm thinking about, Ryan, that's... That's my thought for the day.
3: I think a lot of conversation has been around about has COVID hurt or helped the progress towards finding a QR vaccine for HIV. And I think that's something that everyone really wants to to know. I think
9: what we're learning in COVID can definitely help us with HIV, especially in vaccine development. You know, we can take the mRNA technology that works so well for COVID and begin to tweak it a little bit for HIV. And that's kind of where the idea came from originally that MRNA technologies have been around for at least a decade. And we were talking about using it for Ebola, but also for HIV. But now that COVID has given us the proof of concept, we can move forward in a very aggressive way and keep working on an HIV vaccine.
4: What do you think needs to happen to make sure there's enough energy around AIDS research? Like, you know, today's World AIDS Day. And it seems like this conversation kind of just only bubbles up on December 1st, at least from what I hear. So how can we make sure there's enough energy around this research for a cure?
9: We we really do need to keep pushing. Uh, a lot of us, like myself, um, got involved with HIV and AIDS at the very beginning or towards the very beginning, We've been at this for a long time. Uh, the younger generation that's coming along, I'm very impressed with. And so I think the energy is going to come from this younger generation with new ideas, new energy, dedication to really uh, getting us to 90, 90, 90, where we control transmission through multiple means, but also getting us to a, an effective vaccine. I think if we can do that in the next five to 10 years, I'd be ecstatic. And as we're kind
3: of wrapping up this conversation on World AIDS Day, I can't have you here without talking about, of course, COVID, right? And I just want to know your thoughts on this new variant. Are you worried about it as a healthcare professional? What are your thoughts?
9: It's inevitable that these variants are going to emerge. It's just like with HIV within the body, once somebody's infected with HIV, the immune system responds, and then the virus mutates very frequently to avoid immunity from uh, from within somebody who's infected. The same thing's happening with, with COVID except on a population level. The virus is transmitted from person to person and as that happens, the more people that it infects, the more likely that a mutation's gonna happen. And when that mutation has a little bit of a growth advantage like Delta did over the summer and like Omicron now coming in from South Africa, there's a potential that Omicron could gain a foothold here and throughout the world, and and, and have a growth advantage. It, whether or not it's going to cause as much illness as Delta, I think, remains to be seen. We still have to prove that the vaccinations that people have had, including the booster, will protect. I believe it will, uh, and I think we're going to be all right. And so if that's the case, what we really need to do worldwide, but especially in the U.S., is quadruple down on getting people vaccinated. That's the way we're going to gain control of this, And when it's time for the booster, get the booster.
3: Well, Dr. Sag, actually, I just had another question pop up, and this was something I was talking to Shar about yesterday um, off air. I I just continue to wonder, especially you're in Alabama, and these local, like, hospitals – we don't have any real knowledge of this variant, as and we're still trying to figure everything out. So it's one of those things where, how? What resource do, do these hospitals have to, to say, oh, this is the variant, this is the Omicron variant, right. versus it just being Vers- an, another variant, or yeah, or Lambda. <laughs> what, what 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 resources are are we lacking in that way?
9: Right now, as far as Alabama and the South goes, we're not experiencing a lot of cases of anything. It's cooled off some. It will come back. I mean, we've just yeah. got to be honest about it. And it could be Omicron. It could be something else. And to me, the reason it's going to come back is because we just don't have enough people vaccinated. Forty percent, 50 percent of our population in our region are unvaccinated. And that's just a tender wood for the wildfire of whatever variant is coming along. And it just will catch fire. And then, like you're saying, the hospitals can become overwhelmed again, the clinics, et cetera. We are going to be emerged with new treatments. Uh, mm-hmm. FDA is looking at a couple right now from Merck and from Pfizer. That'll help us. But we really just need to take advantage of the vaccine that we have yeah. and get people to take it.
3: Well, thank you so much, Dr. Sag. We really, really appreciate you for joining us. And thank you so much for all your incredible work that you have done for AIDS research. We appreciate you for being here.
9: Thank you, Ryan. It's great to be back with you.
7: Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q.
3: Well, all right. We are back and coming up this hour, honey. We're talking holiday scams and how to avoid them. And of course, y'all remember when everybody was pressuring each other to live your best life or be your best selves during the quarantine? Well, how did that really go for you? We're going to talk about it and how it impacted us. Yes. Right? Because
4: we've we've talked about it for hours <laughs> off air.
3: So this will be fun. And of course, that is charge, I still filling in for Cheryl Lazar, who is out. Um, and we have a lot of show coming. So get ready for that this hour. Let's go ahead and jump straight into Top of the Hour news headlines. So Dr. Fauci addresses the first confirmed case of the Omicron variant in the U.S. Here is what he had to say.
10: Here's what we know right now. The individual was a traveler who returned from South Africa on November the 22nd and tested positive on November the 29th. The individual is self-quarantining and all close contacts have been contacted and all close contacts thus far have tested negative. The individual was fully vaccinated and experienced mild symptoms, which are improving at this point. So this is the first confirmed case of COVID-19 caused by the Omicron variant detected in the United States. And as all of you know, because we've been discussing this, this, we knew that it was just a matter of time before the first case of Omicron would be detected in the United States
3: my thing is this is the first case that we know of but there was planes that were being stopped with multiple cases on
4: those planes like 61 people yeah. on one
3: plane and so how do we know there weren't people that left before that before they even detected those cases of those planes and so I it's it, honestly taking uh, me
4: back to this time two years ago oh my because gosh, if you remember yes. that's when the first quarantine happened that one plane and then they put we were all so confused when they took like everybody from that plane and put them in quarantine so this you know patient. Zero is from California, and two years ago, the COVID plane that landed was California as well, so... Uh, we gotta keep our eye on this but it's very very scary.
3: No it's I mean it's beyond scary and of course as we all know the US is actually expected to require stricter testing protocols for international travelers because of this concern of everything so the concern over the Omicron variant may lead to required tests within one day of travel possible post travel testing and then a self quarantine which honestly feels like
4: exactly what we were doing I know to get to Hawaii back. I had yeah, to test right? to leave out but I, I want to go back to your question mm-hmm. because I want to know if anyone knows tweet me how are the hospitals determining what yes. is Omicron versus what is I Delta? Can't stop thinking about what, it. it. No it's bothering me. Because
3: <laughs> My thing is we only have testing for regular COVID and, that
4: we know of. And Fauci just said that this person was double vaccinated and, and is experiencing yeah. mild symptoms which I would think would be the regular COVID that we all know and love. Well I shouldn't say in love but we all are familiar with. <laughs>
3: Yeah, I mean, we'll we'll just see how this kind of continues to happen with uh, the international travelers. But let's talk about House conservatives and how they're pressing a, a government shutdown as a threat. You know, the possibility of vaccine what? mandates. Yeah. So Congress has to pass a bill to keep the government funded by Friday night to avert a possible uh, partial govern a government shutdown. I mean, the conservative House Freedom Caucus is urging Senate a majority a minority leader Mitch McConnell to delay passage of a spending bill needed by Friday evening to prevent a partial government shutdown unless it prohibits funding for the Biden administration's vaccine mandate. Some Republican senators now appear on board with that effort. Um, the will were, was kind of put in motion with the letter to McConnell on Wednesday when the Freedom Caucus said the House is voting later in the day on the spending measure known as continuing uh, as a continuing resolution. A quote, saying, without ending any of President Biden's very damaging on American and in the worst cases, unlawful vaccine mandates. Why are they even still saying stuff like that? i honestly shocked.
4: Certainly not the party of pull your bootstraps up trying to have a government shutdown over COVID. <laughs> <laughs> Certainly not.
3: Well, that is your top of the hour headlines. Expect them every hour on the hour. And of course, we're going into the T-Report. Tell me what's so happening. So
4: really quickly. I don't know if you remember, but NeNe Leakes appeared on The Real, which is a daytime talk show that's on Fox. And when she was on there, they asked her about a possible return to the Real Housewives of Atlanta, in which she said that she would kind of be open to it. Today, Andy Cohen was on, who we know as the head honcho. And they asked him what he had to say about what NeNe said. And this is his response. Oh, well, yeah. Andy Cohen was on the reel today and he basically. OK, here we go. OK, we go. okay
3: I'm, I'm pulling it up right now. There we go. <laughs>
4: you
3: know, live radio. There we
11: go. So, oh, boy. What's your response, NeNe?
10: Well, you know, first of all, I love it that you keep calling me Andrew because that is my name, Lonnie. I am Andrew J. Cohen, so very good. You know, we're in the midst of shooting season 14 of the Atlanta Housewives and it's great. And Marlo has her peach and Sheree is back. And we have some new faces and some great faces. And Kenya Moore is on fire. And so I am really focused right now on season 14 of the Housewives of Atlanta.
4: Yikes. Uh, So in case you missed that, he answered it without answering it. By basically (laughs) not even addressing... He didn't uh, even say her name. But you know what's so interesting to me, Ryan? Out of all of the Atlanta Housewives, Nene right now arguably would have the best storyline. She lost her husband and I'm not saying this in a good way, but she lost her husband this year, and we, Greg was beloved, okay? We knew Greg from season one, episode one. And then she launched her, her lounge, her club. Like, Nene has a lot going on. When I think about Candy, Kenya, porsche has gone, Cynthia's gone, Marlo, like... NeNe would actually yeah. be a great asset, and Sharae's back. Yeah,
3: so it would have been nice to have a little reunion of the the yeah. original, the OGs. Well, yeah. we'll just have to see. Do you, but
4: Let me ask you this. Do you think that there will ever be a day that NeNe leaks his back on Housewives of Atlanta?
3: No, I think um, Andy Cohen is a little hurt by some of the things that she okay, said, and look the one thing that you can't do <laughs> is call certain people that what Nene said. Look it uh, up. <laughs> so um, that is your team report. Though we have that coming up next hour, stick around for that. But real quick, I gotta tell you about how Santa done came early, y'all. Listen to Channel Q on the Odyssey app to win free week. Oh, uh, wait, to win free weekly gas tank fill ups. That's it, and. Guess what? Qualify to win gas for an entire year. That is right, an entire year. Just take us with you everywhere you go on the Odyssey app or... You can listen right at home on your smart speaker. Just ask Siri to play Channel Q and let Channel Q pick up your gas tab for a week or an entire year. Now the real question is, does that work for Teslas? Y'all paying Tesla gas because it's not gas, but you know it's fillable. Or electri-
4: what about those ele- Right, the electric yeah. cars. There's Priuses with electric cars too, Ryan. <laughs>
3: I know. That's what I'm like, is, are we being all car friendly here? Inclusive,
4: but that ain't none of my
3: that's none of my business. It's just, not. Just keep It's not to like lesson. you can win it. <laughs> (laughs) Continue to listen. We have more show coming up because we got to talk about that moment, being our best selves during quarantine. How did that go for everyone? I don't know, but we're going to talk about how it went for us. We're we're reflecting on that up next.
11: After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold
2: reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste because you know the bigger the fight better than reward
11: you put in the hours the energy the tough labor you are a fighter and modella is your reward modella the mark of a fighter trick responsibly beer imported by crown import chicago illinois
2: love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places well working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like t-mobile
5: Just do a quick search for Tecovas on social media and you'll see how adorably styled these boots can be. Visit tacovas.com, that's T E C O V A S, dot com, and point your toes west.
7: Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q.
3: Let's talk being our best selves.
7: One of my favorite
4: conversations.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so, you know, I think what's really interesting as we reflect on, like, you know, the pandemic, quarantine, all that good stuff, and how everyone was just talking about... Going into the quarantine, coming out of the quarantine to be your best self. How can you improve or just be better than you were? And honestly, I was a, a person that resisted those ideas because I felt that they were very toxic and once again wasn't allowing people to just simply exist. Um, but
4: I and a bit cliche, really. Yeah,
3: no, it, it really was. It really was. But I, I, I hate the thing that somehow we end up doing or somehow like what wellness spaces and kind of toxic positivity can do. It can try to be motivating. It can try to give you like uh, moments of saying like we really want to pour into you in a way that feels positive mm-hmm. but completely misses the mark of the context of the situation that a person's in.
4: Mm-hmm.
11: And
3: for me that bothers me and I think that's a lot of what we saw in a lot of the conversations about being your best selves really existed
4: in. And if we're being honest a lot of these types of initiatives are really caused there has to be some sort of tipping point typically. yeah. Like even when you intentionally go it, approach something in that yeah. way you only get so far. It isn't until you're, you know, you face down, you know, in tears, you know, dealing with your stuff is that then a launching pad to then do and be better.
3: No, you're so right. So what did you do?
4: To make yourself feel better in the pandemic. If, do you, is anything coming to mind to you? I mean, in the pandemic I did do a lot of cooking, but yeah. I and more cooking than I think I've ever done Same. in my entire life. And I can cook. I got a cutting board. Um, right. I got an air fryer. <laughs> I got a Now I've been had a cutting board. That's a home essential Ryan. No, I, I never you're use a my kitchen. <laughs> you're about to say you're a bachelor. Um and so yeah, I did a lot of cooking and then I think that I not to sound dramatic, but I've shared this with Ryan, I felt like parts of me died. Mm. But I think where that toxic wellness space comes in at for me is that when when lockdown was over, I thought I was done. But mm. I was not. I was not. And so even to this day, I, found my, I find myself in a space of grief yeah. and not rushing any, like, I'm just taking each moment as it comes. And that's not to say yeah. I'm not good, but it's also to say that, like, this whatever metamorphosis or whatever life is throwing at me and putting me through and whatever I'm working through did not end yeah. with the uh, quarantine. And it also didn't start with the quarantine. What the quarantine did is it bubbled it up. It brought it to the surface. Well, here's the
3: thing. When you said that you weren't done, right, coming out of the quarantine, you weren't done. Yeah. Did, did that have to, to do with the fact that you thought you were done because of the pressures around that said we kind of had to kind of like shed that that skin well, and kind of come into our own and, and, a, and, and one of those kind of phoenix rises out of the ashes you know, type is, of things?
4: I mean, that played Did a part. Did the pressure that play pl- a part to it? That played a part in it, but you yeah. know, everybody knows, I always say it, every time I'm on the show, I'm an avid journaler, mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. I try to keep tabs on myself, but it was one of those psychological things once I got double vaccinated, which yeah. was by March 31st, things were starting to like i took my first vacation march 13th like yeah. the world started to i started to anticipate the summer and with the summer comes sunlight joy yeah. barbecues pools parties and you just think that you're done at least i thought i was i was done and then this summer ended up it was like double dutching like simultaneously having a good time yeah. but then sometimes Literally in shambles at night or when I'm driving home, like I'm in tears because I was grieving something. And so it was just this weird dichotomy to kind of like exist in.
3: Yeah, I remember the pandemic for me. Like, I think I was for what I did to make myself feel better in a lot of things was... I was trying to cook and learn to do recipes and stuff and buy, like, you know, actual kitchenware and and things to make me like, oh, okay, I'm doing something.
4: Fresh produce. Yeah. You know, I was
3: trying to do something. (laughs) Um, But I I, I think for me that what I really tried to do to make myself feel better during that time, I, I started therapy again. Um, because I needed it. It was so much from the racial awakening that was kind of happening in this world, this
4: yeah. this country,
3: and then just what we were talking about here on, on on at work. It was just like a lot of things going on, and even then, I was even trying to like work out more. Yeah. I felt like I put a lot of pressure on myself to try to come out of the quarantine with like being a hundred pounds lighter uh-huh. and
4: and having a story to tell. <laughs> and
3: have a story to tell and pop up on Instagram being like, guess what I did, but that didn't happen, and. I think I, I never really talked about it or anything, but that really did kind of affect me in ways in the be- in, in moments of being like, well, why can't you just stick to something?
0: Mm-hmm. And I
3: think for me, I had to reflect on a, a lot of that. I was so mean to myself in that in that sense being like, you just can't do anything right. Like, I feel like all those feelings during the quarantine just kept coming up for me. Well, and if- it really spiraled. I, I spiraled a lot of times, like, through that time in, in ways that I never imagined I would.
4: Yeah. Discipline is definitely one of those things that will come. to. I mean, it seems like discipline is the key to life. But what I will say is, you know, I've talked to you about this off air. You know, you knew firsthand during the the quarantine that I was resistant to therapy, even Mm -hmm. with being an advocate towards it. And the only reason I was is because I prefer in person. And it felt It felt stressful to think about shopping for a therapist, locking something down, doing it on the virtual. I didn't feel like I would have that human connection with having to do therapy virtually, but ultimately... I ended up starting therapy I think December I started yep. because I had reached a breaking point I realized that I was using certain friends and connections as crisis lines mm-hmm. where it's like hello I mean I know everybody's got everything going on and we're leaning on each other but yeah. I needed a therapist back in May and yeah. and April and things but I was just resisted. Someone to give you actual tools and resources yeah, yeah I I really I really did and so I'm so grateful that um, not a- about the circumstance but I really am grateful that I kind of just was like you know what we're just gonna do it virtually because it was yeah. a great help and then that therapist I was working with at the time held my hand to the finish line yeah. of, of ending something so it was great
3: yeah and honestly I feel like as we wrap up here I, I'm super grateful for the quarantine in the sense of like to be my best self was to surround myself with the best people and I think I, I was able to grow close a lot closer to so many people, including Char, in ways that I just wasn't in, in before everything. And who knows if that would have really happened or taken place if the was. Well, I mean, we were,
4: happened. come on now, we were friends in 2019. No, of course, but but we did close, get close. Yeah, like close in the ways where I was calling her out every five seconds. The vent <laughs> sessions were iconic. <laughs> The vent sessions were iconic. Oh, my
3: God. We got more (laughs) show. We got to switch gears here. Because, honey, the holiday season is quickly approaching. And you should most definitely be thinking about holiday shopping. But how can you avoid getting scammed? Well, we're breaking that down.
7: Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q.
3: All right, so online shopping is already booming this holiday season, and you know, I've been looking to try to buy a PS5 and buy all the good hot ticket items, and honestly, the scams are everywhere, but how do you avoid them? We have Colleen Sinclair, um, Associate Professor of Social Psychology at Mississippi State University. What's up? Thanks so much for joining us.
11: Hi, thanks for having me. Please, please. Help me. How do I not get scammed? (laughs) Well, um, not to hate on Facebook, but maybe if you are on Facebook or Instagram, just don't buy anything off of there. (laughs) I'm just going to put that out there. Uh, Just, you know, I believe they are ranked number one as the primary source of where you can find a number of online scams. Um, Otherwise, I might say, you know, you can channel my mom where she taught me when I was little, if it sounds too good to be true, it probably is.
9: Mm-hmm. So
11: a lot of these fake ads are for things that are stolen off of Etsy, where like artisans have put in a lot of work on creating these products, and they usually sell for hundreds, if not thousands of dollars. And you see it for, oh, it's on sale for twenty nine ninety eight. That's just... Probably I'm
4: not likely. it. Like, yeah, there's there's one site. What's that site? Is it Wayfair or Wish or something like that? Well, Wayfair is a Wish. furniture s- a site. Well, nevertheless, yeah, listen. Wayfair is
11: legit. Wish is not. Okay,
4: because I was about to t- I was about to make a joke because I will never purchase anything off of Facebook, but I am prone to purchase something off of Instagram. And I know they're owned by Zuckerberg. They're both yeah. the same company. Well, you know, people uh, exactly. buy things off of Facebook Marketplace all the time. I have so many friends oh, that I, do that. I bought my refrigerator off Facebook Marketplace. That's wild to me. Yeah. Yeah, it was new, though. Yeah, it's different off of Facebook
11: Marketplace. Versus an like ad. Your local, yeah, your mm. social, um, like, garage sale. Right, moment. right. <laughs> but so, then you have, like, the things that are the little ads in the corner, which are being targeted towards you based mm-hmm. on algorithms. So, yeah, those are usually pretty scammy. In fact, I think even somebody in California has filed a, a lawsuit against Facebook for um, not just promoting those ads, but actually
4: recruiting scammers for wow. their fraudulent advertising and see yeah that's where i draw the line because i'll be on facebook and i'll get you know steve madden ads and forever like those reputable ones but then mm-hmm. every once in a while how do you like determine like i'm someone who loves to support small business
10: but how yeah, do i right. check? how
4: do i check a business's reputation to make sure everything is viable before handing over my account information do you have any tips about this
11: Sure, absolutely. So um, there are websites where you can check the reliability of a website. There's a site called Scamboid, which allows you to check the, whether or not a website has had r- complaints about it or has been noted as a credible source. And there's also sources like the FTC and the Better Business Bureau. You can even just Google the name of the site and the word scam and see what comes up. Likely, if there has been somebody else who's been scammed already, they will write about it. But what you'll find is often these businesses, once like the word is out and they are known to be scammy, they'll just re-up and change their name to something fairly similar. Usually it's like some mashup of a woman's name and a flower. I don't know why. (laughs) Um, (laughs) and, And then they, you know, so then if it's too new to trust, like if there's no record of it, also I would be real hesitant about taking it. But you can also... Check things like, do they have a consumer reports line? Yeah. You know, do they have a, a complaint number? Does, what's their return policy? And is that, is that page even, does it look sketchy? Does it have a lot of typos? Does it look like it was Ooh, thrown up yeah. in a minute? So those are things to look out for. Well, you know
3: what's really interesting? Um, I was uh, looking at reviews with my mom online, and I was doing some shopping, and I feel like it's a generational thing where I I will go to look at all the reviews, from Yelp to any website where the reviews are going off. That will, you know, determine if I buy something or not. My mom's like, well, why are you looking at the reviews? Who cares? Just buy it. I'm like, what do you mean? The reviews are telling you how that can really be helpful, the product, right? So how should you continue to, like, look at Stuff like that, does it really mean, you know, that you should like it's an important piece of shopping online?
11: It is an important piece of information, but you also bet it gotta be critical in that regard too, because as we've heard, like sites and third party sellers on Amazon have bought reviewers, um, and so they, you know, will Ooh. give people a product so they'll be a verified reviewer, and so they'll file five False reviews. So you want to see actual reviews with product pictures, um, a variety of those reviews, and so use all the information, but also still, you know, sort of weigh the site, you know, yeah. whether or not it's a reliable site or not. Because a lot of times they'll use fake reviews. You can check if there, if there's not a lot of information, if it's also a lot of broken English. Um, those are things that you want to look out for. You don't want to be one of the 2.1 million people last year who reported fraud to the FTC.
3: Well, thank you so much Mm -hmm. for joining us and giving us all these great tips, honey. I feel like I'm never going to get scammed.
4: (laughs) (laughs) You better not. You're a millennial. We don't do that.
3: Oh, my God. This is Colleen Sinclair, who is an associate (laughs) professor of social psychology at Mississippi State University. We hope to have you back. I love coming on. (laughs) All right. Um, We got more show coming up because, honey, we know so little about this new variant that is on everyone's mind. But we can barely figure out how to pronounce it. So we're going to try to attempt to say the Omicron, the Omicron, the omnicron, Omicron. Whatever the transformer (laughs) is. We got more show coming up next.
12: As we turn the corner into the new year, a lot of people are looking to get healthier. That includes Hero Bread, who have just launched their new recipe using heart healthy olive oil. Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. All with no compromise on the taste, texture, and bready goodness you expect from your favorites.
0: This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. So what exactly is the show about? It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball and baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.
7: Let's go there with Shira and Ryan, Channel Q.
3: Let me tell you this. We obviously don't know anything about, you know, the new variant. It's very confusing to a lot of people. We're trying to find out information, but we also don't know how to pronounce it. (laughs) No one knows how to pronounce it, including our own president. Here is a montage of even the, the, the journalists on the news. I mean, from even people on the street trying to figure out how to say this
1: developments on the new omicron coronavirus variant
2: the name is omicron omicron omicron
1: this new um, uh, omicron variant om omicron the rapidly spreading omicron variant the omicron variant
10: then there's
0: om
2: omicron
10: is it omicron um omicron or something yeah, from, yeah
2: i might be messing up the pronunciation of this is it omicron omicron how do we say it it's called the omicron <laughs>
4: that's the funniest one Biden what? saying Omnicron, because I'm thinking of the Omni Hotel in Chicago. <laughs> Shout out to Oprah. Um, you, okay, so how do you say it? So here's the thing. I know Monday I was very adamant. You were, you Monday were like, because, say it this way. Because I'm standing 10 toes down on this, right? <laughs> I say Omicron. Omicron. It's part of the Greek alphabet. Okay. And I think that because I was at an HBCU. It's the 15th
3: letter of the Greek alphabet.
4: Yes. I think it's because I was at an HBCU in the South. Mm-hmm. And then naturally, you know, people from Chicago, black people from Chicago have been deemed country because yeah. we can be. Yeah. Um, I just, I say Omicron. That's how it was introduced to me. That's what feels most comfortable to my tongue. Omicron. I think I've been saying Omicron. 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 I say Omicron. You say Omicron. I feel like I've been saying Omicron. I think that the right way is Omicron or Omicron. (laughs) But see, that doesn't sound right. That's so unseasoned to me. Well, guess what? It's Omicron.
3: There is no single agreed on English pronunciation, according to experts from the New York Times. So... I think you can say it any other way. And one more time for the Joe
4: Biden of it all.
3: How do we
9: say it? It's called the Omnicron.
4: Exactly. So I'm going to say that. I think that we should tap someone Greek (laughs) because it's part of the Greek (laughs) alphabet. How do they say it?
3: Who knows? But we have more top of the hour news coming up. Don't go anywhere. We got your headlines right up next.
7: Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q.
3: That was Around the World by Daft Punk. You know, we're always got the music popping over here on Channel Q. It's Q. I like it. I love the music that we play. They're not paying me to say that. It sounded like they were paying me to say that, but
4: I promise you. It certainly did. And honestly,
3: they are paying me, but they're not paying me to say that specifically. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God, it's time for the hour. Of course, we have more show coming up. Actually, this hour, we're continuing our celebration of World AIDS Day by highlighting an organization who is honoring the caretakers and families of people who have died and i thought that was really interesting right because you never think of the people who take care and provide care for so many people who have died because of this Mm -hmm. and it's beautiful that this organization is highlighting them and honoring them in such a beautiful way and they're going to be joining us to talk about that and so continue to stick around for that honey because Sell is here filling in for sure lazar
4: Oh, yes. Glad to be here. Mm -hmm. I'll be here all week. I mean, yeah, basically. (laughs) I'm here tomorrow and Friday, too. Hope you all are sharp fans out there listening. (laughs) If you're not, you're going to be.
3: Let's get into top of the hour news. Now, we would be remiss if we did not remember Matthew Shepard. Um, Now, Matthew Shepard, oh my goodness, December 1st would have been his 45th birthday. Literally, today. Um, He was laid to rest in Washington in 2018, 20 years after his brutal murder near
4: Lemiree. Wyoming? I think it's Laramie.
3: Laramie? Okay. Yeah. And the reason he went so long without a resting place, if you did not know this, his family feared his
4: grave would have been
3: desecrated.
4: That is disgusting. Yeah. It's, you know, it's when sad. I think Matthew Shepard, that was, I don't know if you saw the film, which was an MTV original film, mm-hmm. but I can remember being jarred. Like, I remember that and Boys Don't Cry starring Hilary Swank Ooh. being like two kind of intros for me as far as like, what? Weirdness and what yeah, could like, Yeah. Like, it was, I, I cried so hard on that Matthew Shepard film so he would have been 45 that's so wild to think about so
3: young still yeah Yeah. so we wanted to make sure that we started this hour and said something in the show about him because it is important that he is a, a part of queer history no matter what um, but let's talk about the White House press secretary, uh, Jen Sackey, says this about President Biden and how he believes the Mississippi abortion ban poses a, quote, grave threat to women's fundamental rights and supports um, uh, the, you know, obviously codifying Roe versus Wade. Here is what she said.
8: Uh, I would note that the President believes, since you gave me the opportunity, uh, that the Mississippi law blatantly violates women's constitutional rights to safe and legal abortions. This case presents a grave threat to women's fundamental rights, to all of our rights, as protected under Roe v. Wade for nearly half a century. Every every American deserves access to health care, including reproductive health care, and the President is deeply committed to the constitutional right. As we've outlined before, and as he's mentioned before, he's committed to working with Congress to codify the constitutional right to safe and legal abortion as protected by Roe.
3: All right, and of course, um, let's talk all things, oh my God, this crazy story that's coming out of Michigan. There is an update. Um, if you did not know, a Michigan high school gunman, his name is Ethan Crumbly, he is 15. Um, basically, he is being arraigned as an adult terrorist, as police reveal he had meeting. Uh, he had a meeting with his parents and teachers to discuss his behavior 3 hours before he opened fire in hall in a, basically in hallways um and killed four classmates. So there was um, a
4: meeting eight. prior to this happening? Yes, he
3: had tons of meetings prior to this. So yeah, he's in juvenile custody for the shooting at Oxford High School on Tuesday. He posted a photo of his father's gun over the weekend pretending it was his. Um, they're saying his motive for the shooting on Tuesday remains unknown, but classmates say he was being bullied.
4: And we should mention yeah. that the gun just was ordered, like, just arrived at the house yeah. on Friday, last it was his Friday. Fa- it was
3: literally his father's It was his gun. father's. Yeah. yeah, it
4: was not for him. It was his father's gun that he just purchased on Friday.
3: Yeah, and unfortunately, four kids were ki- uh, killed, ranging from the ages of 14 all the way to 17, um, and, yeah, oh, my goodness, it's just, it's really, really sad. It's really sad.
4: terrible. And, you know, I was sharing with Ryan and producer Vanessa a video clip. Uh, there's tons of videos cir- uh, circulating online about, yeah. you know, that the kids took in the moment of distress. Oh, my
3: God, those videos are crazy. So much trauma. Yeah, so that is your uh, top of the hour news headlines, everything you need to catch up on. But let's go into something a little bit more light i guess it's in the not light report. it's not, not really. light it has to do with gun
4: <laughs> violence as well gosh so alec baldwin um is doing his first interview about rust the rust set uh shooting that happened as we all know on the set of his film that's taking place later this week this will be his first interview since um the murder what was her name helena yeah yeah she we know we know that he killed accidentally he killed someone working on the film. Now, the 30 Rock actor sat down with ABC's George Stephanopoulos on Tuesday for an 80-minute interview that's going to air at 8 p.m. on Thursday. I should mention that this interview, George Stephanopoulos said that they had a, a, a conversation that was 120 minutes, like it, but it's whittled down to 80 minutes. Take a listen to the promo, though.
10: Someone who was loved by everyone who worked with and liked by everyone who worked with and admired Even now, I find it hard to believe that. It just doesn't seem seem real to me. You haven't said much in public since that tragic accident. Why speak out now? I think the big question, and the one you must have asked yourself a thousand times, how could this have happened? Now,
4: Stephanopoulos calls this discussion raw and intense, and he says he's done thousands of interviews within the last 20 years, but this is the most intense one he's ever experienced. So I will be watching this. It'll also be streaming on Hulu the next day, which will be the third. This airs again on Thursday the 2nd on ABC. Will you be tuning in?
3: Oh, I am most definitely watching. This is going to be really, really interesting to see what he has to say about the the and, moments
4: and Stephanopoulos says that there's no skirting around any question there was no question off limits in yeah. Baldwin and it's interesting because there's all these lawsuits now piling yeah. up but he I said, would
3: assume he's <laughs> been cooperative it's just unfortunate what's happening it's
4: really terrible but
3: that's your T-Report you can expect that every hour on the hour and of course you can always check wearechannelq.com for all the stories that we are covering and at LGT show for all of social means on you know we, we love for you to follow us and let us know your thoughts. So, of course, coming up, we are celebrating World AIDS Day by honoring the caretakers that have provided care to thousands of lives lost. You will not want to miss this amazing conversation. Coming up next.
7: Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q.
3: OK, so let's talk about negging. Um, not Excuse pegging. Me? Yeah, not pegging.
4: I was about to say, now you <laughs> didn't already ask me to leave one. <laughs> Uh, I'm going to tell the listeners later why Ryan almost made me walk out of the studio. But go uh,
3: ahead. No, this is not fair. Um, But there is something called nagging, right? And it's really interesting. It's all about this toxic dating trait, and it's a tactic. So if you thought nagging a partner was bad, you haven't seen nagging yet. So someone... On this podcast called Swipe Fat, um, and it is a show about uh, dating as a plus size woman. Wow, I, I can relate. Um, says, I was with a guy once, and we were all in a car, and he was like, you can sit on my lap, but you might be too heavy. Um, and she ended up hooking up with him afterwards, but the comment made her feel awful about herself. Wow, can relate, because it happened to me in another <laughs> thing. Um, now... <laughs> <laughs> um, and so she continues and says, I think it makes you vulnerable to the insecurities you already have. And then you're in this mind frame of, OK, well, he's the only guy I can get. So it's all about emo- having kind of this emotional uh, manipulation that kind of happens. But it seems where like this person wants you, but then they'll do a passive aggressive like, situation. I was to say, it
4: seems very like much like a passive aggressive. Yeah. like."
3: It's a Criticism. It's, it's a dating strategy that works when someone purposefully gives a backhanded compliment or makes a potentially significant other feel bad about themselves in order to lower their self-esteem. Have you ever been oh, negged? I, I have.
4: I didn't know there was a word for it, but I certainly have. Oh, my goodness. Are you kidding like me?
3: Like, I'm triggered. I mean... I the, the the situation I can relate to this woman. Somebody asked me if I could walk from the Hollywood Bowl to Hollywood Boulevard to the Hard Rock, and they asked me if I could even make it that far. And yeah. I said um,
4: on a first
3: you, date. <laughs> on a first date, and then they were like, "Oh well, we didn't. I didn't mean it like that. Blah 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 blah." I mean, if only I could tell that full story of who that person really is. Child, he don't he don't need his business aired out here. But.
4: I've just more, I was about to say, I've just more so experienced feelings of being made to feel inadequate mm. um, and just, I guess, trying to comparing me or, or measuring me up to a cis woman. Mm. And... Um, that gets in my head. Well, it used to. I don't. You know, I'm a nun now. I'm on <laughs> dating apps, but I don't talk to men. But
3: you're. I You are you a nun because of that? Like that kind of led partially, you into nunness. Partially
4: because I find it. It the whole process is just so exhausting. Yeah, it, it really is. Getting to know new people for romantic purposes is very tiresome, and so it really is. I'm like as much as I think I want companionship because I don't know because I, you know, it's been a while but it's just, it's something, it's just in practice it is, it's really exhausting. And
3: my thing is it's like, why even make a deliberately like rude remark towards someone, and then kind of try to disguise it as like,
4: oh no, I didn't well, mean it like that. Well, in fairness, Ryan, you know, communication styles for everyone. It may not be as intentional or as manipulative as this. You know, article is they made may out. may just be some like that's what they used to. I was about to say some people. That's just how they talk. Some people are just naturally rude or can't read the room, so to speak. Yeah. So I don't think it's always as intentional and and uh, manipulative as this is out to, to make it, but there yeah. are people who are like that.
3: And I think they, I think there are people that are like that and they know they're like that because they want some sort of control of the person, the relationship. Maybe they're like insecure themselves and they, they wanna make sure this person mm-hmm. gets so, to such a low point make sure that they have nowhere else to go and it's only them that they feel yeah. like. It's like you can literally groom someone into thinking that you're Ooh, the only person that it. will feel loved by them.
4: Yes, yes. It's
3: disgusting.
4: And it happens all the time. And
3: it's so bad. Yeah. It's so, so bad. And it makes me... um, I feel like that is the reason why I stayed in situations. Because of the fear of being like, yeah, I mean, who knows if I'm going to find anyone else? Who knows if I'm going to to be able to feel connected to anyone and I
4: also think that happens when you're marginalized within the marginalized within the margin so to speak those questions certainly do uh, pop up but that's why listen we all working on rebuilding self esteem and things like that but I hate that how easy that manipulation can can happen. Because all it takes is to get you in a vulnerable spot. Well, you know, sometimes yeah. they, they're attracted to your light. If your light is shining very bright, they want to make sure that they can control the switch, the now, on and the off switch. Listen
3: to this. A 1965 study conducted by social psychologist Elaine Walster found that men saw women with lower self-esteem as more attractive. And
4: I'm going to tell you why. Please. I'm going to tell you why. Because it all boils down to control. It all boils down to, if you have Mm. high self-esteem, this is how I look at it as a woman who dates men. Mm. If you have high self-esteem, it is an intimidation. And it's an intimidation because it's a call to action for them to then rise to the occasion in order to get with a girl like me. So if I have a lower self-esteem, you can continue being vibrationally low Mm -hmm. and you don't have to do or be a better person because why?
3: You There's no just, point. Yeah. I, don't, I don't need to give you anything because you're already accepting me at this point.
4: She's hot and she doesn't believe in herself, the <gasps> ideal woman. And I'm oh. going to control and manipulate her. But if she's hot and knows what she brings to the table, you feel, that for whatever reason, they're conditioned to feel inadequate.
3: I don't know if Blame y'all have patriarchy. Heard this, but let me tell you, I I always think every single morning when I wake up, liking men is the ghetto. It really is. <laughs>
4: It really
3: is. (laughs) Oh, my God. We have more show coming. Uh, Don't go anywhere um, because, you
7: know, the party don't stop until we want it to. Bye. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan, Channel Q.
3: Okay, so let's talk about World AIDS Day. And actually, we want to really talk about this organization, the Wall Lost Memorials, who is absolutely amazing. We've had them on the show before, and they are really doing amazing things and honoring the caretakers that have provided care to thousands of lives lost. And we just want to talk about the things that they're doing around celebrating today. Joining us is Richard Zaldivar, the Executive Director and Founder of The Wall, Las Memorias. Thank you so much for joining us.
0: Thank you so much for having me on. It's really a pleasure.
3: Hi. No, seriously, we really appreciate all the incredible, I mean, incredible work that you and your organization um, does. Can you talk to us a little bit about how you're reflecting on this day, right? It's 40 years of AIDS.
0: Well, thank you. Yes, absolutely. So today's, as we're, this year, as we're reflecting on 40 years of AIDS, as you had mentioned at the top of the, of the, of the segment, uh, we, uh, honored our caregivers this last Sunday at the Hollywood Methodist Church. It was a very moving tribute to all the organizations and hospitals that took care of AIDS patients for the last 40 years. Tonight, however, we're also having our annual Noche de las Memorias which is also a rededication of our AIDS monument at Lincoln Park and we expect over 800 people in attendance with music and song and the unveiling of 1400 new names on the AIDS monument.
4: So how did Las Memorias start? Like what was the I know that the launching pad dates back, you know, 40 years as Ryan just mentioned, but what what were the minds, the superpowers that came together to launch this this organization? <sighs>
0: Well, yeah. Uh, uh, thank you for asking that question, and it really is a long story. But I founded the organization um, Ill- legally in the state of California uh, 28 years ago today. And the wow, wow. impetus was to build an AIDS monument, and from the monument, use that as a catalyst, as a foundation for new programs to, uh, uh, to address um, HIV in our community. And so my best friend uh, shared with me back in 1989 that he was HIV positive, and it's an, it was a chilling um, it was a chilling story. And I remember him to this day, him suffering with the stigma and the bigotry around this whole issue. Oh, um, and so I decided to do something, and it was my dream about building an AIDS monument um, that was a catalyst for this organization.
2: Wow, that
3: is, I mean, beautiful, because I I think, especially now more than ever, we talked earlier in the show about what does, you know, a day like today look like in a Mm -hmm. a, a ongoing pandemic world. And I wonder, have you thought about that in, in the sense of how the pandemic has really kind of impacted AIDS research and the ability to find a cure or a vaccine?
0: Yeah, it has, you know, and I know there is there's a lot of sentiment in our community about and, and some anger, right, about, you know, the pandemic, COVID pandemic took over the world uh, a year and a half ago, and yet we have vaccines for COVID, but we don't have a vaccine for HIV. Mm-hmm. And so I, I I just want all of us to be those role models of, of teaching other folks how to do education and prevention. And knowing that, you know, the docs are at work, science is at work in finding uh, vaccinations for HIV in the future, um, but I think we, as who have dedicated so many of our years to the fight against HIV and AIDS, we're in the forefront, and we're able to teach other folks and other community organizations how to do outreach and how to talk to people about COVID nineteen. He- the real problem that we're looking at is very similar when we're talking about COVID nineteen and HIV. It's the underserved populations that are really hurting mm-hmm. the African-American and the Latino community. And so it, 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 we're dealing with cultural issues that are challenging to providing health prevention to our communities. So we have a lot to learn. We have a lot to showcase. Uh, but I think we, the most important thing is for us to work together to resolve these issues.
3: Well, I think because, you know, also, Giving Tuesday wasn't too far ago, right? It was yesterday. Literally yesterday. (laughs) And I I think about organizations like yours. How can people get involved to make sure you continue to run and and help in in whatever ways they can?
0: Well, and thank you for that question. People can donate to our organization. We do other work besides just HIV. We work the LGBTQ community in addressing crystal meth, uh, in addressing substance use and mental health prevention. But they could get involved with by donating to our organization, by volunteering, by spreading the word that we're around. We're, we're taking names for the AIDS monument all year round. So if people missed out for today, they can always go online to our uh, website at org and submit a name. They could also send us an email If there's any way that we can support them, I think the most important thing, though, my friend, we have to build community. Mm -hmm. If we're going to resolve this, if we're going to end HIV, we need to come together. So I invite everyone to join us at the Wallace Memorias.
3: Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate your presence and all the work that you do.
0: Thank you, and all the work you do, thank you so much, and God bless.
3: Ah, oh, do do nothing, but thank you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was Richard our executive director and founder of the Wallace M- uh, Memorias. Mm. Memorias. And, you know, I can't roll my R's. I'm from the South. I tr- I'm going to give you what you get. But we got more show coming up. Thank you so much. That was a beautiful conversation and necessary. But we got to talk about Dr. Oz coming up next and how he's running
4: <sighs> for governor. Yeah. He's running for political office. I don't
3: know
7: know what Mehmet is doing. We
3: got to talk about it. That's coming up next. Don't go anywhere.
7: Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q.
3: Why are celebrities running for office? We don't want it. We didn't ask for it. And I thought Trump scarred us all. But guess what? Dr. Oz. Yeah, the TV doctor. Um he has decided that he is entering the Republican primary field to replace the outgoing Senator Pat Tommy um in Pennsylvania.
4: And <laughs> which is weird because he's not a resident of Pennsylvania. And uh, so weird. This track record for the Republican Party isn't looking too well. It's it's appearing like you all are grasping for straws. We've had, like you mentioned, celebrities: like Donald Trump, Herschel Walker, Caitlyn Jenner, Doctor. Like, who's next? Um, well, my I, thing is, even though he's in, entering as a Republican,
3: he could have he could have still just like chose a side that wasn't the make America great kind of stuff. That's what I'm saying. But guess what? He decided to do an appearance on Sean Hannity, and I'm just going to let y'all listen to it yourselves.
2: I say I'm a conservative. Uh, I used to say I'm a Reagan conservative. I would say I'm an America first, make America great again conservative. How would you describe, in just a sentence, your political ideology philosophy? You're all running in a Republican primary. How would you sum it up? I match yours. I think this country has all the building blocks to be spectacular.
3: Not I match yours. So what here's in the, the hell? thing.
4: Yesterday, Ryan, when you were uh, absent... I was talking to Shira about this, and I actually had a little bit of faith in Mehmet Oz, only because I think I had become familiar with him, right? He's a Harpo production. Oprah introduced us to him, and he seems like through the TV mm-hmm. that he got a little bit of common sense to him. Now, I don't know about his medical advice, but he seemed, bull- <laughs> but he seems like he had some common sense to him, so I was hoping that he would be one of those Republicans. You know how they're always talking yeah. about how some people, like Meghan McCain is a never-Trumper, but uh-huh. she's a Republican, Right? but like you said, it seems like every Republican that enters any type of political race is a Trumper. So, where, bull- so <laughs> where are the ones that aren't Trumpers?
3: Here's the thing. There's no such thing, because if you are trying to start out into politics, you have to go where the, you know, the voters are. And unfortunately, the most of the Republican Party and where the voters are, they all end up being the MAGA supporters. And that is where these new political folks are just people who have are envisioning their re- political career. They are literally just saying, who cares about integrity? Who cares about, you know, just being ethical? Let's just go with what we know that works in the Republican Party. And that's being outlandish and that's going on Sean Hannity and that's saying and telling Sean Hannity that you are the same political person, yep. a MAGA Republican, just as everyone else. And Which then- is- Here's a crazy thing. I love that I was watching the view and they were talking about this, right? Because everyone was baffled. Joy Behar was like, "Oh, I know him. I knew they him personally. All know him He's a, socially. Yeah, I mean, sonny has been on the show and he has apparently had been kind of, you know, starting to kind of go this this route where he was really showing his republican isness when it came even to COVID and yeah. and how he was responding to a lot of different things and and for me it's just like It's not shocking at any time. Sonny
4: Hostin said this morning on The View, she noticed around April of 2020 when he basically were like, well, some children can be sacrificial lambs. Like, we just need to send them back to school. Like, when we were still learning things about this pandemic. But I must admit, I'm not surprised that he's a Republican. I am not surprised that he's a Republican. I'm not surprised about that. But I am surprised that he has aligned with MAGA because what the heck like what's next
3: and and that's another thing i'm not really surprised about because if you are a new republican who hasn't come into done any politics or anything that's the only way that you can win
4: well what are you do you think he's gonna i got two questions for you do you think he's gonna win well if he starts talking about uh uh, critical race theory and and, and getting (laughs) rid of books he most definitely will also what is the direction like i mentioned herschel walker caitlin jenner donald j trump what did the republican party is grasping for straws do you see celebrities just kind of throwing their hats in the ring moving forward because we don't really have that energy. Well, I should say the Democrats don't really have that energy on the Democratic side.
3: I really hope not. I know you're bored and you're rich, but please get a hobby and not running for politics.
7: Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. All
3: right. It's time for my favorite segment. It is time for Yes, Queen.
4: Yes, Queen.
3: Oh, my God. I always love the echo that Yeah, happens.
4: I just, listen, when you're not here, I got to do it. And it's just, it takes a lot of energy to get up there in the rafters. You know, I just kind of automatically stay there. That is true. You, you know, in somehow- this scenario, you are the soprano and I am the tenor. <laughs>
3: Well, let's talk about this current Jeopardy! champion. Her name is Amy Schneider. She is using her voice to help other trans people. Um, The engineer manager from Oakland, California, won her 10th consecutive game Tuesday night, earning her a total of $380,000, the eighth highest total in regular season play. She has now become, drumroll, the first transgender contestant to qualify for the Tournament of Champions, and um, honestly, she wore a transgender pride flag pin on last week's Thanksgiving Day episode to raise awareness. She said, "I didn't want it uh, didn't want to make too much about being trans, at least in the context of the show. I'm a trans woman, and I'm proud of that fact, but I'm a lot of other things too."
4: Oh, she sound like me.
3: (laughs) I literally tweeted
4: last night that being trans is quite literally the least interesting thing about me. Well,
3: look at her. She actually actually said this. The fact is, I don't actually think about being trans all that often. My God. And so when appearing (laughs) on national television, I wanted to represent that part of my identity accurately as important, but also relatively minor. Yeah. I mean, that's it. I'm honestly, I'm so excited for her. She's winning all the money, and she's like slaying it. I think uh,
4: recently, I think she's won up to three hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, so far
3: three hundred thousand dollars. Yes, she did. To be uh, actually three hundred eighty thousand dollars and two hundred.
4: Take it home. Take the crown.
3: Yeah, she deserves. Um, And she also said that the Thanksgiving holiday marked the right time to wear the trans pride pin, as quote, "the community might be having a hard time right now." Um, So. She gets a really big yes, Queen, because she deserves. And honestly, the smarts is what's everything mm-hmm. for me. So shout out to her. Yes. Yeah. As Queen. Yes, Queen. Now, coming up on tomorrow's show, because that's it for us, we're talking about everything. Of, for, oh, my God, what are we talking about? We're talking about would you pay someone to listen to you vent? The rise of professional listeners. Mm. Yeah, that sounds like therapy, but it's not. Trust me. Um, Plus, why you should question the kind of porn you watch. Have you thought about it? Well, you should. That's coming up and more. And, of course, don't forget right after the show where uh, you should listen to Lovely. where dr chris is talking about difficult emotions and self-regulation that is it for me like i said another day another slay and always remember to slay
1: bye y'all